Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. Hi, I'm Beth. If you're anything like me, you didn't go into marriage thinking that you would get divorced. But that's where I found myself. Now I'm helping single divorce moms find support, solidarity, and strength from within when they get divorced. I'm so excited that you're here. This is So I Got Divorced. Let's get to it. Hey, Meg. Hi. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. It's good to be here. So Meg South, you have a podcast called Fraud Relationship to Freedom, and you talk about your story, which I think is super interesting. So I would love for you to share part of your story, but what I love about your podcast is that you give really actionable tips to figuring out if you're in a relationship with a narcissist and then how to also heal yourself from being in a toxic relationship. And so Mm -hmm. I really love those like super bite-sized podcasts and being able to just absorb all of the information. Thank you. Thank you. I try to make it actionable because there's a lot of really good podcasts out there already that describe narcissism and how to recognize it. And I go into that a little bit, but I I really find that the healing aspect is a lot more helpful to people and a lot more energizing to me personally, than dwelling on what's already been, you know, said or done on other podcasts. And um, yeah, so I like to focus on the healing aspects of things because it's hard afterwards. It is really hard and it's a process. Yeah. I feel like a lot of your content really resonates with me. And so I think it'll resonate with a lot of other folks. So yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us more about your story and, you know, sort of why you are putting your story out there? Yes. So this is a story that I never even suspected. I will start at the beginning. I was coming out of a 30-year marriage, amicable divorce. Um, I have four kids with, and they're all grown, with my first husband. And I just wanted to meet people. I wasn't interested in a relationship after that. I wanted to just like do my own thing. So I thought, okay, well, a good way to meet people, I'll go online dating. Now, I'd been with my first husband since I met him when I was 17 years old. So do the math. I was like raising my family as all through 20s, 30s, 40s, da da da. And here I was apparently very naive. Um, So online dating, I did not realize that it was such a shark tank and not in the good sense of the show. Um, (laughs) So anyway, so I met this man on a very popular dating website, which I probably shouldn't name here, but 
Um, anyway, so we met, he told me that he was a Navy SEAL, a veteran, seemed like a really great guy. So I agreed to meet him after we talked on the phone and we met and I honestly, I was like, er, you're kind of like really angry. You complained a lot about your first ex-wife, but hey, I'm going to cut you some slack. You're a vet. Maybe you've got some PTSD stuff going on there. Yeah. Okay. So we were kind of in a more distance relationship for the first year or so. And then he moved in with, into a house that I was redoing. He moved in with me like about a little bit less than a year after we met. Anyway, things develop. We end up getting married. The whole relationship was like five and a half years that I was with him. We got married after like three-ish years. Mm -hmm. So we were going along all right. He had some behaviors that I look back in retrospect, right, which were clearly abusive. In fact, the whole relationship was abuse from the very first sentence he ever spoke to me because he was lying to me about everything. So anyhow, I forgave and overlooked and made excuses for a lot of stuff that I sh that had I not thought he was a vet, I would have booted him like right off mm -hmm. the bat, yeah. but I didn't. And so here I am. I happened about a year ago from now in the fall, I was working from home because of COVID and I honestly cannot tell you how this article popped up onto my laptop. It was how to tell if a Navy SEAL is real. I wasn't looking. I didn't suspect a thing. This man was commander of our local American Legion. He had all kinds of SEAL paraphernalia. He'd shown me his purple hearts. He'd actually worn his SEAL trident on his outfit at the wedding. Okay. Okay. So I had no idea, none, that he was lying to me. Okay. So I'm curious. So I look at the article and like two paragraphs in, I'm like, yeah, you are just not that lucky. The odds of knowing a real Navy SEAL are like slim to none. And so there was a guy, a man named Don Shipley, who is an actual SEAL. And he had a kind of outs people that do these military fraud type things. So I contacted him and he's able to look up if somebody is actually on the SEAL, if they've completed BUDS or been a Navy SEAL. He's okay. got access to the database. So I talked to him, he called me up and said, nope, he is not on there. Oh my word, okay, that was a shock. So what did I do? I packed up my car as much as stuff as I could. Now, remember, we were living in my house mm -hmm. that I bought and paid for before I'd met this guy. Yeah. But he, I knew, had a temper. It was a rural location. He was at work, and I wasn't going to confront him mm -hmm. that night if he, when he got home, and he got tended to get home pretty late. So I packed everything up, my suitcase, everything, the dog and drove three hours, all I could think was drive to where my adult kids were living. And that was the beginning of complete chaos for 
and I'm still, you know, kind of in the midst of, I'm hoping that I'm towards the end of the civil annulment, but, you know, I had to get a new job. I had to start paying for an apartment, a storage unit, like all kinds of things. So he was not a Navy SEAL. And as it turned out, I did, um, you can request um, documents from the government, the Freedom of Information Act, mm-hmm. a FOIA request, you can do that. And they can tell you if there's any record of military service and also the servicemen's, servicemen's civil, it's S-C-R-A, Servicemen's Civil Relief Act website. That's another one that you can request records from. And that came back as not, no military service. It took me a while to figure out, did I want to do a divorce? Did I want to do an annulment? Did I want an attorney? Did I not want an attorney? And I have a daughter who is an attorney in a different state. And she was very much pressing me, mom, you have to have an attorney. Oh, but I really can't afford an attorney. You need an attorney. And anyway, she finally prevailed on me to get an attorney. I was able to find one that I actually didn't feel like about this big. Yeah. (laughs) I had talked to a few that were extremely condescending and there was no way I was going to be paying them thousands of dollars to be judgmental of me. Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding? No. So I finally found this attorney who was, he's really great and got a ton of experience. So, and he also didn't have an attitude. That was great. So anyway, so I got an attorney. I decided to do an annulment based on fraud. And then if that does not go through the state that I am doing this in also has um, an option for a fault divorce. So it's either the annulment based on fraud, which I have to prove, which I feel like I have. I have like a stack of documents that I've provided to the court that shows that he perpetrated a fraud on not just me, but his first ex-wife, his children who are adults almost, and the American Legion. And the kicker is that he's been doing this for right around 30 years. Initially, I thought it was 20, but then in talking to his son who's grown, it's been closer to 30 years. So, yeah. And like I said, he was commander of the American Legion, highly involved in that. And I thought that would be clearly, how does someone get in the American Legion to a leadership position if they are not actually in the military or a veteran, right? And no, that is not the case. So do you want me to tell about that? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say that it is so wild. Like that is incredible that he could do this for that amount of time. And even with his own children, with you said with his first ex-wife and then Mm -hmm. when he met you. And so do you feel like if you hadn't come across that article that, you know, you would still just be living your life and not knowing any of this information? Possibly. I was getting to the end of my patience with his behaviors, Mm -hmm. even then. And the one where I really drew a line in the sand was, you will not rage at me again, period, end of story. And so I actually had started 
because whenever that would happen, I would kind of get into reactive mode and I couldn't really think straight, right? So I was like, all right, you need to not be in reactive mode. If or when he does that again, you need to be ready and you need to have already mapped out the steps that you're going to take. So I had actually just gotten a storage unit, like a tiny storage unit, and I was going to put like a go bag kind of thing in there and my like my dog's food, medicine, whatever. Yeah. And in the event that it did, he did do that again, like rage at me again, because I was getting really like, I, I don't care if you're a veteran and have PTSD, you need to do something about this because this is getting to be not good for me to be in this spot. So I don't, yeah. um, I think I, it eventually probably would have gone by the wayside because I actually had really significant doubts about like the first three, four months after we were married were great. And then it was like a switch flipped and he was I was like, oh my goodness, I was crying to my parents, like, I think I made a mistake. And, but then I'm very loyal kind of person. And I, like I said, thought that he was, he had PTSD from all of his stuff that he saw in like the Gulf War, which is what he told me. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, probably it would have eventually gone by the wayside, but I don't know what the timeline of that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like it was maybe not a coincidence. I don't know, but yeah. maybe fortuitous timing. Um, yeah. So you're mentioning that he was able to reach a commander level in the American Legion, which I'm guessing yeah. is not easy. Well, they have to vote him into that position. Like the yeah. other people in the post have to vote him into the position. Yeah. So how was he able to do that? So that's really interesting. And that was a huge question that I had through the whole thing. I was baffled. And so what I did was I actually sent all of my huge packet of info showing that he was not who he said he was to the state American Legion. They called me back like immediately and said, oh, this post has been problematic for a while. And now this is just icing on the cake. Oh, no. <laughs> so she was able to, the deputy adjuvant, was able to look back and see that he signed up online in 2004 and the post never asked well i don't know that they never asked him for his separation papers which are called dd214s but in any event he ignored if there was ever a request to produce those he ignored that and somebody eventually dropped it and away he went and here we are all these years later and that's how he got in. And he may he um, signed up and paid dues for a lifetime at, at the beginning. So they never revisited it. Yeah. So, and that was for a long time too. That was almost, what, 20 years? Yes. And that's why I thought he'd only been doing this for 20 years. But then I recently found out that, so he had this, and I'll, and here, this just illustrates like the depth of the deceit. So he had told me this story of how he'd been on this mission and one of his best friends on his team was killed during um, some kind of 
military thing that they were a mission that they were doing. And he never got over that. And I saw that he never got over it. It looked to me like he never got over it. He would cry about it. He had a candle, like a pillar candle in like a memorial pillar candle, like in glass. And it had a poem and a date from 1991 on the outside of the candle. It was like from a funeral, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he would light that, put it on our counter and light that every Veterans Day and every Memorial Day without fail. And I asked his first ex-wife about it, who I talked to for the first time earlier this year when I let her know what was going on. And she said, yeah, he did that with her too. And that was like in the mid nineties that he was doing that. So that turned out to not even be real. Wow. Did his first um, wife know about this or not until you sort of started exploring all of this? No. So I was concerned that I wanted to tell her and kind of find out a couple things that I needed clarification on. Maybe she could shed some light on it. But the main reason I contacted her, and I will tell you, it took like every ounce of courage that I had because he had demonized her to Mm. me so badly that I was petrified to contact her. But I set that aside and I wanted to talk to her because I had a relationship with especially his older son and I wanted to tell her what was going on so that she could kind of help the son process and Mm -hmm. all of that. So they actually got on a phone call with me together and neither of them knew, neither of them knew. They didn't have any idea. Wow. Yeah. I only recently found out that his parents actually knew the entire time from predating the first wife, I talked to the cousin not that long ago and let her know what was going on. That also took a fair bit of courage to do that. Um, She's the caretaker now of his parents. And she told me that his parents actually knew that he was doing this Navy SEAL thing from the time he was like dating age and that he did it because he wanted it helped him pick up women. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yes. And so his parents failed to mention that to wife number one, which got, they got together in the mid nineties, failed to mention it to their own grandchildren and failed to mention it to me Mm. from, you know, the 2015 ish. So, yeah. It's just so wild. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So is this type of behavior sort of classified under sociopathology or is that part of like the narcissism, do you think? So he has a criminal record and that takes it over into sociopathy or actually antisocial personality disorder. But so you can be a sociopath, which is not a technical mental health term. It's not in the DSM-5. Okay. It falls under antisocial personality disorder. So you can have antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder together. 
But if you have narcissistic personality disorder, that does not necessarily mean that you have antisocial personality disorder as well. So in other words, just to like firm, like make that in simple language, you can be a narcissist without being a sociopath, but generally speaking, sociopaths are also narcissistic. Okay. If that makes sense to you. Okay. And there's a, a criminal element, uh, disregard of like norms of society that is part of sociopathy. And he definitely fits that picture. But the thing is, he's, you know, to look at him and his, your first impression of him, he likes to be perceived as the hero, the helper, the good guy. And on its face, you would never know what is lurking underneath, obviously, or I would never have been there like with him. He literally has no conscience. He can do anything with not a thought, but he can mimic a conscience and he will manipulate the situation to his benefit. For example, I said he raged at me and that early on he would yell. Okay. And I stood up to that. By the end, he was clipping that, like, all I had to say was like, you're not going to have that tone with me. And he would switch it up. And he got like, he knew that he could get farther with me by being romantic and mm -hmm. looking like he cared about me and doing nice things and kind of behaving like a normal human being that he would get way farther with me than when he would yell at me. So mm -hmm. he learned that intimidation didn't work so well with me. And towards the end, it was much more calm and he was looking much more like a normal person. Mm -hmm. Wow. But yeah. So much of your story revolves around bad behavior and this fraud. And so I really want to talk about how you sort of took your power back in this situation and what you've done since you learned all this information about him and um, yeah. just sort of taking your power back. Yeah. So I never really was in denial about what he did because it was like in my face. Oh, one thing that I did forget to mention, um, I want to go back like a little bit to the beginning because it kind of I'll, I'll just tell you and you can like make your own conclusion. So the day before that article popped up on my laptop, I was standing up in my bedroom and I just sort of said out loud to the universe, I have a million tiny behavioral reasons to go and walk out the door, but I know me and I need something big to get me out the door if that's what I need to do. And the very next day, I wake up, I go down, get on my laptop, and up pops this article. So that's kind of crazy. You spoke it into the universe. Exactly. You yeah. did it. That was your sign. That's, a, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's very, it sounds like kind of woo-woo and wacky, but those were literally my exact words. And the very next day, boom, there it was. So that, I, I totally, that's the universe taking care of you or yeah. whatever higher power you believe in right. taking care of you. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that got me out the door and there was not even a question if I was going to stay or 
maybe yeah. try to work it out or get his side of it or anything like that because like that's huge and you've been lying to me for five and a half years so what did I do to take my power back so this episode is sponsored by my Facebook group that's also called so I got divorced and since I created this podcast to mostly help divorce single moms I also created the Facebook group so that we have a place to connect and support each other outside of the podcast so head on over to Facebook and search for the group so I got divorced and click to join. Like I said, I was never in denial as a stage of, like of grief stage. What I was in, because I had viewed myself as a veteran's wife. That had been part of my identity mm-hmm. because I thought I was married to a veteran, right? Clearly. Yes, that makes sense. And he told me a lot of a lot of various stories and things. And so, you know, I'm hitting a lot of mental speed bumps for about the first three months. I'd be driving down the road, thinking about this story or that story. And then it was like a literal mental speed bump clunk. Wait, that's a lie. That is not even, he's not a veteran. And I'd have to like remind myself that's a lie. He's not a veteran. And it was really like, if you're driving like through a parking lot and you're kind of maybe going a little too fast and you don't recognize that there's a speed bump in the way, it was, that's exactly what it felt like hitting the speed bump and like lurching over it. But so that happened probably like really frequently over the first three months. And then at about month three, I'd been working, gathering a lot of evidence because the fraud for the annulment, it's a civil annulment based on fraud. The proof of his fraud lies on me. So I did a lot of research, digging into his previous criminal case, constructing a timeline through the entire 1990s before I was able to actually get from the federal government the FOIA request paperwork. So I had created a whole timeline if he's here and here and here, there's no way he's over here in the military doing this. Right. Just didn't work. Yeah. I did so much research and sent it to my attorney. My attorney actually emailed me back and said, have you ever thought of being a private <laughs> investigator? <laughs> I'm like, no, but I guess that's a compliment, right? So I had so much stuff that I gathered and that was very powerful for me to be able to logically put it all out there in a very linear fashion for the court. I knew it would be admissible to the court as part of the case. So there was that. And then at month three, I just suddenly realized like, I don't have to answer to anybody for anything and nobody's going to yell at me or give me a bad time about any, anything. I mean, it just kind of dawned on me. And that was very freeing. I did a podcast about that, I think, and have a blog post up on my site about that as well. Another thing that really helped me. So my adult kids, my oldest son and his youngest sister were sharing an apartment because they were both kind of in the midst of some of their own life transition stuff. 
And here comes mom <laughs> with her stuff. And they were just about to move into a larger apartment. And so they said, hey, why don't we just go in for a larger apartment and we can save money. We'll split the rent. And I get along with them really well anyhow. So it wasn't like, they're more like my friend's roommates yeah. than like mom living with them. So yeah. we got a place and they have been super supportive through this whole thing. And that's made a huge difference having their support just to be around not necessarily that I'm constantly talking to them about it, mm -hmm. but just to have other bodies in the house. And then of course, my little grandson lives there too. And that's been nice to be able to be around him uh, more because I lived kind of far away and didn't really get a chance to see him very much before that. So it was the support. It was kind of my own mindset and the actual practical working through the case Mm -hmm. uh, learning about sociopathy, learning more about narcissism. Now I had worked for the previous four years ish in community mental health. Oh. And I was actually on the personality disorders team when I met the man who became my husband. So you might say, well, why didn't you recognize it? If you were part of the personality disorders team, why didn't you recognize it? Why didn't I recognize it? Because I was new to the field. I kind of did a lateral transition into the community mental health field. And at the time that I met and he had moved in with me was the time that I just had started in on that new job. And I was like, huh, there's a lot of features, but it could be. I like, I was still too new to really identify it, but over time and then at the end and then the aftermath, there was no doubt about it. Hmm. Um, I, I'd learned so much about cluster B personality disorders that I was kind of like hired for a different position because of my knowledge in that, even though I'm not a therapist licensed. Yeah. It's so much easier to see when you're looking at things from the outside too. You probably would have picked up like if you were looking at someone else's like another case or something, but sometimes it's hard to see what's going on from, from the inside. It is. And also he was very, like I said, I thought it was PTSD from the military. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he was lying to me about everything, mm -hmm. essentially everything about the cancer, about the way he lost his hearing, everything. So your podcast is called Fraudulationship. Is that something you sort of coined the term fraudulationship? Yes, it is actually. I knew pretty early on that this whole mess was so crazy. Like I couldn't have written it if I tried. It could be sort of a gift in disguise and sort of a way for me to help other people because it's just unbelievable. It's like such a crazy story. So I knew early on that it was probably a gift in disguise. So I was thinking, how can I help people? I got to get through this pretty much like way more than I am to actually help people. But I was sort of thinking, well, what would I want to call it? And then I took 
like a little sort of business course for 12 weeks. And that's how we met it is. And through that. And so I was trying to figure out like a name and I'm like, this is not really a real relationship. This is a fraud. This is a fake relationship. Oh, fraudulationship. There we go. So that's how it, and it just kind of like popped in my head and it made sense because it's not a really, it was a completely one-sided relationship. Mm -hmm. My side was real. So that's how the relationship part, his side, never real, wasn't real from the beginning, like the first moment he ever talked to me, text me, anything. So we've got the fraud, we've got the relationship and smush them together. And there you go. So it's so descriptive. It's like the, the perfect description for, for everything you're describing. Yeah. And then I, it helped me really to articulate it that way too. I think I came up with a definition of that it's a relationship that you thought was based on love and trust, but turned out to be based on lies and deceit or something like that. But mm -hmm. anyway, it helped to just articulate what my experience had been, like to have a name for it. it makes so much sense. So how can folks know if they're in a fraudulationship? Well, there's a lot of red flags, I guess, if you will. And why I'm kind of pausing and thinking a little bit is I'm wondering, are you asking about the military phony part? Or are you asking about like the actual like sociopathy and narcissism? I guess both. So I guess first, if you could tell us how rare it is to meet like a Navy SEAL or like what the chances okay. are that someone had, you know, has all these accolades in the military. Yeah. So first of all, these guys, and I'm going to say guys because they are mostly men. I'm not being sexist. It's just the fact they are mostly men. They are all over social media and dating websites, site platforms are their playground. Okay. So if anybody says to you, approaches you or your listeners and says, hey, I'm a Navy SEAL. Uh, Probably not because number one, a real Navy SEAL is not going to tell you that in the first, second, third, or even 25th sentence that comes out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. They do, they might say, Oh, I'm a, I'm a vet a little bit down the line, but they are not going to come out and say Navy SEAL, Army Ranger, Green Beret, Special Forces, whatever. That is not something that they advertise to people outside their circle and you are not in their circle on meeting number one, two, three, or 10. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge, huge red flag. As far as how likely is it to meet our Navy SEAL specifically? Um, you have a better chance of winning the lottery. One of my favorite ones is you have a better chance of meeting somebody that speaks Cherokee in the U.S., Okay. Then you do of meeting a Navy SEAL. I personally never have met someone that speaks Cherokee. And I I don't know if you have, but in no. that I'm, I'm not, that is not part of my culture. I don't live in an area, you know, so right. pretty much you can count on the fact that if they lead with I'm a Navy SEAL or any other special forces, that that is not the case. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, they often will try to tell you that they need money, that 
they don't have access to your bank account. Now, he did not do that for me, but a lot of, of these fakes will pose as active military as well. And I have a whole separate podcast from the Fraudulent Relationship to Freedom podcast that I'm going to do. It's going to be time uh, episode limited. It's on how to recognize a fake military, like a military imposter, so that you don't okay. get targeted. So that the trailer is up. That's on Anchor. So that's going to be like another branch. And what's that called? It's called How to Spot a Military Phony and Avoid Being Targeted. I believe that's what I called it. So very descriptive. That's perfect. Yeah. And it's going to be just limited in the number of episodes on exactly how to identify what to look for and also what to do after the fact. But the number one thing is they are not an authentic one. Isn't going to lead with that in a conversation at all. I think the very first podcast episode that I did on the fraud relationship to freedom was just a short one about it. I think I would call it the military bony on the hunt for narcissistic supply or something like that. But that was like the first episode that I did. And I talked a little bit about how to identify a military fake. But anyhow, let me just talk a little bit about sociopathy. So people think sociopath, crazy man or woman, like on TV, right? That is not the case. And they also think that they're very rare. And that is also not the case. So if you have a room of 100 people, you're going to have several sociopaths in that group. And they look just like you. They look just like me. And they know how to look normal, like neurotypical, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not. Um, A really good book to read is Martha Stout's The Sociopath Next Door. She goes into a lot of detail, a lot of statistics about how common this really is. And you can pretty much assume that someone you know in your life fits the criteria for sociopathy and you would never even know it. The only, So how, how is somebody supposed to not be victimized, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's really no foolproof way other than knowing someone for a very long time. You don't know if they're trustworthy or not. Mm -hmm. However, there is kind of a tell, if you will, sociopaths are almost always a victim. Mm -hmm. Always a victim in every story they tell. They are always like the world is mean and they are always the victim. And they are more than happy to tell you about how victimized they are. They don't come out like growling and angry. They play on your sympathy and use it to manipulate you. They, so that is the number one thing. If you meet somebody and right out of the gate, they are telling you how bad their ex-husband, ex-wife, mother kids, boss, always the victim. If they're telling you that, you can pretty much bet money that they are on that sociopathy uh, branch of things. 
-hmm. And it would behoove you to say, bye-bye, I'm not dealing. Don't do what I did and and talk yourself out of it, right? Because he did the very first time that we met. He was telling me how horrible his ex-wife was, how all these women had stalked him and he was just the victim. And he's always, always the victim. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, give him a chance. Don't be so judgmental. Yeah, no, don't do that. I should have said, bye-bye. I'm not going to be part of this. You can Mm -hmm. find somebody else to complain and whine to. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the biggest tell is, is for sociopaths. That is such a great, great tip. And I have been seeing, you were mentioning that sociopathy and narcissism go sort of hand in hand. And I've been seeing a a lot more of just content on social media around narcissism and how to spot a narcissist in general. So I don't know if it's, there's more narcissists or we're just becoming more aware and having like a label for certain behaviors. Um, So I, I think this is really relevant because they are so good at manipulating and playing on your emotions and just sucking you into their world. Yeah. So I just think that's such a great tip of just being aware of, of what story they're telling you because they're almost like showing you their hand, right? They're saying like, I'm always the victim. Exactly. And they are good at it too. They know how to spot somebody that is empathetic I want to just insert here, there is in the recovery community, a lot of really good information, but there's also kind of this thread that I personally really fight against. It's very subtle victim blaming. For me personally, I am not a codependent person. I am strong. I am intelligent. I am good hearted. I have always been. And that is exactly what attracted him to me. I was not some doormat that he could like kick around. And people think they have in their head this kind of perception that, and I don't even like the word victim, but I'll use it here, that uh, victims or targets of sociopaths and narcissists are weak and very compliant and kind of troubled and have a lot of problems and just like are just like classically victims and that is not true the high value target I guess you could say is exactly the opposite strong open-minded willing to consider a lot of different opinions about various situations and people in the world Mm -hmm. listens communicates and strong. And why is that a high value target? It's a high value target because those kind of people don't just get sucked in. It takes a lot of work for the narcissist or sociopath to groom that person Mm -hmm. and break them down to get them to be malleable enough to, um, you know, just be under the thumb of the of the abuser basically so I kind of fight against that and against the whole victim that misconception is I think held by people that haven't been the target of narcissistic abuse 
because mm-hmm. you would think that until you have experienced it yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's a high level mind game. My mind game. I'm not going to swear, but it's a high level. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you're thinking about. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. a high, high level mind game. And um, they, you know, they actually get a lot of satisfaction from that. Yeah. So that's pretty important, I think. And on my platform, I, I really like highlight that. And another thing that I like to highlight is I've talked to a fair number of, of women who, you know, they say that they feel broken and that they, you know, are kind of frustrated with, you know, am I ever going to feel like my old self again? Like they feel completely, I think the British have a great term gutted, Mm. gutted by the whole experience and I personally think you are not broken beyond hope. I'm really big on creating a healing identity mindset, moving out of the victim mindset, because that is completely disempowering and over into the healing identity mindset. And I talk a lot about that on the podcast. Part of that is realizing that he broke your relationship that's that's what he broke mm-hmm. he damaged you he hurt you there is no doubt no doubt about that but he didn't underneath all of that you still have core value mm-hmm. the core values that you held and characteristics that you had in place before you ran into this guy those are still there And you can do various things to get back to that kind of baseline. One of the things that's really important to do early on is, well, there's a couple things. One of them is to get yourself emotionally regulated because it's like a roller coaster and it isn't fun. And when you get to the the anger phase of healing, right? Anger is a really motivating emotion. It can push you forward, but it also is very, it has like a lot of peaks and then poof, you crash. And then angry, poof, up you go. And then you're motivated and energetic and then crash and you're like the couch potato. And that is exhausting. And so your body kind of will settle into this sort of low-level chronic resentment. And that cuts off the top and the bottom. So you don't have the highs and you don't have the lows. And you're kind of just functioning along in the mid-range of your life. Mm-hmm. And you can get things done, but it's not really fun. So you want, in order to like get out of that, you can work towards developing this healing identity mindset. And and one of the things that you can do is to, to get some emotional regulation. Well, how do I do that if I feel horrible? Well, one of the things that you can do is stop acting on your feelings, which are temporary, and access your deeper values, which if you think about what makes you tick. So deeper values might be a sense of autonomy, um, honesty, 
you know, there's a whole host of things and people can download um, or even just look up online. Um, there's, if you have, if you're struggling with coming up with what your values are, there is um, a PDF you can download. They're little cards and they have like all, a whole bunch of list, a whole bunch of different values on each card. You can cut them out and like sort them into categories and then it, it helps you clarify what are your values? So you act not from your temporary feelings, but from your core values. And that will help you get more emotionally regulated because your feelings are variable, like maybe even from minute to minute, right? Um, but your values are stable. So acting from your values rather than just your temporary feelings. And that will give you a sense of empowerment, and then it kind of grows. And one other thing that I wanted to mention too is a lot of people who have been targets of a narcissist, sociopath, abuser, even a, like your garden variety abuser, they've been accused of being the abuser or accused of being the narcissist mm -hmm. by the actual abuser. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, oh, is that true? And they get in there, you know, they get into your head. So how do you combat that? Because firstly, if you are seriously worrying about, am I actually the abuser? Probably you're not. There is such a thing as reactive abuse where you're, you know, it, you like get into it with the abuser and you maybe pick up some behaviors okay. of the abuser. That's a react reactive abuse. But if you're sitting there thinking, oh, huh, am I really the abuser here? Is he right? What you can do is kind of get it out on paper. Hmm. So you can write down what your abuser did in a certain situation. And then you can write down, how did I respond in a similar situation? And you can see in black and white that you really aren't the abuser. That may be helpful. Um, there's like some worksheets. That's another PDF I think people can download that I've created with uh, one of the podcasts that I did about that. Yeah, that's awesome. These are the types of tips that I wish that I had had um, when I got out of previous relationships. So I'm so excited that you're sharing them. And I'm so excited that you're putting your story out there so that you can help other people. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's helpful to other people. You know, it's so extreme that it it's kind of good in a way that it is so extreme because I can, and here's why, that sounds like a weird statement, but here's why. Because it's a huge umbrella that I can relate to people who are less, have less extreme situations. And I can also relate to people. And I have, I have, I am not the only one this has happened to. I know that there is another woman. I read her book. Um, she has been doing this way longer than I have. Her site is lovefraud.com. Her last name is Anderson. But anyways, I am not the only one that this has happened to. And I've met and talked with other people, women all over the world who have actually not maybe married the guy, but been engaged to military phonies. Mm -hmm. And um, it is not a unique situation. People are highly embarrassed about it. 
mm-hmm. a lot of times don't know where to turn. Yeah. And that's why I'm one of the reasons why I'm being more vocal about it, just because there was no help, n- nothing. I had no roadmap to help me, gu- you know, guide me through mm-hmm. the process. And so I'm hoping to, in the future, at some point, develop kind of a course workshop membership site, something like that, where people can actually focus on the healing. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's still in the works. And I'm, I've kind of maybe put that on hold a teeny bit just because I want to get farther along in the process than I am, but I'm going to continue, you know, doing the podcast and blogging and that sort of thing for the time being. I love it. So we have your fraudulation to freedom podcast. You have your how to spot a military phony and avoid being targeted podcast that's coming out soon. Soon, as soon as I can get the first episode recorded, the trailer is up. Okay. (laughs) And and I have a Facebook page that goes with that, with both of those. And there's a Facebook group that's tiny at the moment, but, you know, people are welcome to join that. The focus is on healing. Um, Another more established resource that I can let people know about is Debbie Mirza's. If you look up Debbie Mirza on Facebook, it's the CPAN. Facebook group that's been super helpful in my own healing and it's well established and it's very safe okay um very well moderated so if people need like some instant support there they can search that out but they can also look up me I'm available on Instagram Facebook um at fraudulationship and then I have my own Meg South page which is megsouth.fraudulationship And then there's the regular fraudulationship page on Facebook as well. Okay. And then the website, which is fraudulationship.com. So lots of ways to contact if people just want to talk or ask more questions. Perfect. I'll make sure to add those to the show notes. Great. Meg, thank you so much for spending time with me today and sharing more about your story and all your resources. You are very welcome. Best of luck to you as you go through this process. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to So I Got Divorced so that you don't miss an episode. And follow me on Instagram at So I Got Divorced. See you next time.